The U.S. is back in the Paris Agreement, and now President Joe Biden wants the federal government to set an example for environmental sustainability. Considering how much space agencies take up, one way to do that is by trimming the real estate portfolio. Federal News Network's digital editor Amelia Brust looked into the state of federal green buildings, what lies ahead, and how telework during the pandemic has reframed thinking around all of this. Amelia, good to have you on. Hi, Tom. Let's begin with federal buildings made greener. Now, this is not a new policy. It goes back several administrations. What's different and happening now? So there's two things that are really making it a more prominent issue right now. The first one is that simply we have a new president who talked a lot about addressing climate change and signed an executive order with a bunch of new directives on it. And the second thing is that we've just capped a year of more people working from home than perhaps ever before in the post-industrial era. And that second phenomenon has really made employers, not just the federal government, but private sector employers as well, be really honest with themselves about how many bodies they actually need in the office every day and how much physical space they really need to get their work done. Actually, there's kind of a third sort of existential question to all of this, which is what role could green energy and environmentally sustainable design play in the post-pandemic economic recovery? So all of those things are what made me want to ask the question, what is GSA thinking at the moment and how it's going to manage federal civilian real estate going forward? So the idea here then is that real estate can work in the climate change area in several ways. Yeah, well, real estate is a major contributor of carbon dioxide emissions, and the federal government is the biggest landlord in the country, and it's also the country's largest energy consumer. I mean, just think about building materials themselves, what it takes to manufacture them and ship them, and then there's electricity, water usage, heating and ventilation systems. All of that I talked about with Dan Matthews, who was the commissioner of the Public Building Service during the Trump administration, and he explained how there's a direct causal relationship between square footage and energy and water consumption. While he was leading PBS, he said they were able to cut several million square feet from their portfolio by taking a two-pronged approach. And here's just a little bit of him describing that. So our strategy revolved around two things. One, reducing the total square footage, because that's the most significant element in cost, but also energy consumption. And then the second was to get better pricing for the taxpayer. And we really went after leasing first and then our owned portfolio second. We went after leasing first because when you lease, you have access to private capital through your lease. So you leverage with your annual lease payment significant amounts of private capital to restructure your leased portfolio. And that's Dan Matthews, the former public buildings commissioner. Amelia, did he say exactly how much space GSA was able to trim? So GSA actually said it's been able to cut its total inventory by 7 million rentable square feet since 2013. So it's now down to around 371 million rentable square feet as of last year. Now, over the last 17 years, The federal government has cut its building energy use by about 25.6 percent, 
and governments also increased its share of high-performance sustainable buildings in that time. It's cut its potable water consumption and greenhouse gas emissions almost every year for the last decade. So we're talking about the George Bush, Barack Obama, and Donald Trump administrations. But the thing that's really dropped off in the last decade or so have been investments in facility efficiency improvements. And Dan Matthews said that GSA struggles with these because it doesn't have the money. And these are renovations that are needed to reduce the overall real estate portfolio. But he said that if GSA had full access to the federal buildings fund, which is money that comes from rents paid to GSA, the agency could get a lot farther along at making those renovations. It takes money, and the GSA needs access to that capital. So that's really the first thing if they want to have a meaningful impact on improving the energy efficiency of GSA's real estate portfolio. GSA needs Congress to give it full access to its federal buildings fund. That's really problem number one. And then the second thing is GSA has to use that capital and invest it in the right projects. And that can be challenging too. A lot of the easy energy efficiency projects have all been done. And Amelia, that brings up the idea of the age of federal buildings. A lot of them are simply old, 50, 75, even a couple of hundred years old. In New York City, I think the owner a few years ago spent a billion dollars to retrofit all the windows and everything to make that single building more energy efficient. Does GSA have an idea of where to start here in this whole panoply of buildings they've got? Well, a really good time to make those types of renovations are during lease renewals because that's when you can reevaluate your building needs and you can obligate incumbent landlords to make those upgrades where possible. And the federal government is in an especially advantageous place to do that because, as Dan Matthews said, federal government is a very desirable tenant, not just because it pays rents on time, but because it typically signs long-term leases. We're talking about like 10, 20 years or more, and sometimes even with a five-year extension. So a longer lease is a better incentive to a landlord to invest the money to make those energy efficiency upgrades. And looking at the next two years or so, about 35% of government leases are going to expire. That's a lot as Marcy Owens-Test, who focuses on the federal market for the real estate firm CBRE, she said that this is going to be a very important time for landlords to think about densification and utilization of their space. And here's her talking a bit about that. Utilization rate is what's contributed to much of the space reduction, allowing agencies to look at How are they measuring their staff against their space usage? And the Hill was very instrumental, Capitol Hill and the committees that oversee GSA were really instrumental in helping to focus agencies on utilization rate. And speaking of utilization rates, Amelia, with everybody teleworking right now, does it look as if the federal government will just keep consolidating and maybe never go back to the whole pre-COVID level of rental and space that it had? What are people saying there? 
that's really what the conversation is at the moment. Everything's still very much up in the air, but it's become painfully clear that way more feds can get their work done remotely than people probably thought before the pandemic. Turns out a lot of those meetings could have been emails. We've seen multiple surveys of feds who also say that they even want to keep teleworking after the pandemic subsides. So agencies and Congress really need to ask themselves how much workspace they can afford to lose. And of course, it's not a straight apples to apples solution for every single agency because some employees do very specialized tasks on equipment that you can't just take home and use on your own personal Wi-Fi. Some people deal with classified information, but there's also a lot of the more standardized work like administrative, HR, business services, those sorts of things that can be done remotely more easily. Actually, GSA consolidated its own headquarters and national capital region office workers in D.C. down to, I think, one shared building two years ago. And a big reason they were able to do that was because more and more people were teleworking. And you mentioned, Amelia, that one way for saving government money might be connected to the economic recovery. What's that all about? So back in 2009, when Congress passed the stimulus to bring the country out of the Great Recession, GSA got about $5.5 billion to make federal buildings greener and more energy efficient. That stimulus is what gave us things like the Federal Center South Complex for the Army Corps of Engineers in Seattle. It gave us a wind turbine at a border crossing up in Maine. And in the private sector, it gave us Tesla. The company got a more than $400 million loan from that stimulus. So that's why now many observers are saying that the new stimulus efforts to get the country out of the pandemic-created recessions should include considerations for boosting green energy and green jobs. And actually, uh, just today, Senator Ben Cardin from Maryland, whom you had on your show a few weeks ago, he just reintroduced his Green Buildings Jobs Act from last year. But this new version of it actually does talk more about the things we just mentioned, which is making federal building design greener, making energy efficiency upgrades. And Cardin says that this bill will spur on about 850,000 green energy jobs that were lost during the pandemic. All right. A lot more to go on this yet, I guess. Federal News Network's Amelia Brust. Thanks so much. Thank you. Check out her story at federalnewsnetwork.com. And be sure to sign up for the Federal News Network DOD Cloud Exchange. Hear the strategies of cloud veterans from the Army, Navy, and Defense Information Systems Agency. Presented this Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday mornings, March 23rd through the 25th, from 8 to noon at federalnewsnetwork.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.